0: Hey, everybody. So good to be with you again. So today we take another look at Genesis 3. Now, yesterday we observed uh, the introduction of sin into the world uh, through Adam and Eve's disobedience of eating the fruit that God had told them not to. I, I shared with you how I found it interesting that their rebellion against God and their desire to be God was birthed in that simple question, Did God really say? they began to doubt God's goodness just a little bit. And word after word, the serpent kept them focused on it until at last they made that decision that would change everything for them. Today, we're going to look out at the at the fallout that came from that decision. But uh, let's start by inviting God to guide our thinking and our response before we read. Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful for another chance to learn from you. And for my friends who are journeying along with me, um, you give us one another as a great encouragement. And that's certainly what I feel today. I ask now that you give us uh, ears to hear what you want to say to us through this passage and the faith to be changed by it. Have your way in us today, according to the name of your son and the power of your spirit. It's in Jesus name. Amen. So I'm going to start reading in verse 8 and read to the end of chapter 3. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you to not eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord said to the servant, Because you have done this, Cursed are you among all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, He placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword, flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Two words stand out to me as I reflect on this passage, justice and grace. I know that neither of those words are stated outright in the text, but I think we see them in God's words and actions. Justice seems to me to be a word that our culture longs for right now, and in many ways, rightly so. The Me Too movement, for instance, has sought justice for women uh, who have been hurt and humiliated by sexual abuse. Uh, While not everyone agrees with the ideology of the Black Lives Matter organization, uh, most embrace the broader movement seeking to Uh, seeking justice for for black and brown people who have been victimized by social and political institutions and, and sadly have suffered violence under police brutality. I imagine that all of us can agree that those who break the law, especially those who do it and damage others, should be held accountable. Something in each one of us just knows that justice is right. Now, now we rely on our legal system to bring about justice. Uh, There are outliers, of course, who take matters into their own hands and and bring their own sense of justice through things like violence and intimidation, but but most of us rely on the legal system. And our laws are not arbitrary. Rather, they reflect the agreements that we have come to as a society about what uh, is right and wrong, what's acceptable and what isn't acceptable. Uh, as we live uh, together in our society. For Adam and Eve, there was only one law. Don't eat from that one tree. When that law was broken, justice had to be done. And, And because God created the law, he was the only one fit to bring justice. And apparently, according to the text, the punishment that fit the crime was death. I see death described in two dimensions here. On one level, death is physical, and maybe this is the one that we can all relate to the most. God told Adam that he would, quote, return to the ground, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. On another level, though, death is spiritual. Adam and Eve were forced to leave the garden. In other words, they could no longer be in the presence of God. God is the source of life for people. His, his power and will didn't just make them. It sustains them. It keeps them going on living. No longer would Adam and Eve live forever. Nor would they enjoy the deep-seated peace that came from knowing that God was always there to protect them, always there to provide for them, and always wanting to cherish them. Sin caused them to be disconnected, from the source of life. I think that it's really good that we want justice. I think that God thinks it's really good that we want justice because everything good comes from him. But I also think that it's way easier to want justice when we're the victim rather than the victimizer. When we're the third party posting on the comments thread rather than the one who has been brought to the trial themselves. The reality, if I'm honest, is that I am Adam and Eve. God has asked me to love him more than anything else. In other words, to orient my entire life around him because he's the author and sustainer of my life. Instead, I've oriented my life around people and pleasures and mostly around my never-ending list of desires. He, he's instructed me to love and to serve other people. Instead, I've used and even hated them. I'm the one on trial and I am guilty. And when the tables are turned, honestly, I don't really want to believe in justice anymore. I want to believe that the rules are different for me, that I can somehow escape, that I know that I deserve justice. And just go back to life with God. I mentioned earlier that there was one other word from this passage that stood out to me. Grace. Now I understand understand grace as undeserved favor. Grace is a gift. Before sending Adam and Eve out of the garden, God clothed them. He, he covered their nakedness. And, and in doing so, he covered their shame. They didn't earn it and they certainly didn't deserve it in this moment. We don't even get the sense that they asked for it, but God still graced them with this gift. For those of us who have learned to trust Jesus, it's at this moment where we can't move on from this passage without seeing the connection here. In Genesis chapters 1 through 3, God initiated human life, not just physical life, but spiritual life in a relationship with himself. In turn, humans initiated sin by exchanging that life in their relationship with him for the chance to become their own gods. The consequences were disastrous as God rightfully administered justice for their law-breaking. Yet at the end of chapter 3, we see God initiating again. This time, initiating grace giving them undeserved favor that thousands of years later would culminate in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. People were forever destined to die until God initiated, until he came to earth in human form and died the death they deserved. So any of them who believed would never die, but we would be reunited with him forever. Let's pray. Lord God, we're grateful for these ancient words that still ring true for us today. Uh, we confess that we have fallen short of your intentions for us. We haven't loved you with everything that we've and We've valued ourselves more than we value others. But in this moment, we also thank you for grace. We thank you for stepping into our world to save us from ourselves. We, we give you our confessions and we receive your forgiveness, and we do it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.